Some people care enough about their body to eat well and exercise. Others care enough about their mind to get a good education and become lifelong learners. You might even care enough about your heart to guard those places where the world enters your soul. I'm talking about your eyes, ears, and thoughts. But do you care enough about your soul to practice soul care? Inside-out living must include soul care, which is something even Jesus practiced. Soul care must be centered on Jesus, rooted in Scripture, grounded in biblical theology, dependent on the Holy Spirit, focused on sanctification, comprehensive in our understanding of the total human being, practiced daily, and experienced in the community of God's church. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. exercise regularly and eat healthy to take care of your body, but what's the best way to take care of your soul? Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, today, Ron wants to help you learn how to practice what he calls soul care. He'll take you to several passages of scripture that explain how to care for your soul. He'll also show you how Jesus cared for his own soul. Stay with us now as Ron moves ahead in his teaching series, Inside Out, Living and Loving from a Healthy Soul. Or you can visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, How Jesus Cared for His Soul. Well, ministry... Ministry is soul care. Uh, by that I mean our first goal as a church is to uh, participate with God in the saving of souls. And when I say that, I have 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 in mind that tells us that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are ambassadors for Christ. Uh, in other words, God makes his salvation appeal through us as believers, uh, through the body of Christ, through his church. He, he uses us uh, to win and to save souls. And this is why evangelism and outreach and missions are, are so very important in our church and any church like ours. We will do almost anything to implore people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And with that in mind, let me, let me just make that appeal right now. Do you uh, know God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation? Has Jesus saved your soul from eternal damnation? If the answer to that question is yes, shout a hallelujah in your spirit. Hallelujah. Or maybe out loud. Right? But if that answer is, ah, I'm not sure or no or I don't know, then make today a day of salvation. Nothing would bring glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ and, and please us here at the church than to see that God used the ministry of this church to save your soul because ministry is soul care. Now, after someone experiences salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, soul care or ministry continues. Sanctification is the theological term that the Bible uses to describe 
how we grow in Christ's likeness. Growing up to be like Jesus is expected uh, in the Christian life as much as growing into adulthood is expected of children and teenagers and adolescents. And the Holy Spirit plays a significant role in our sanctification and takes uh, full responsibility for it. Uh, for example, according to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 23 and 24, uh, sanctification touches upon, don't be surprised by this, but the totality of our humanity. Uh, listen to what Paul says here. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. What a, what a great promise. Yes, God takes full responsibility for our salvation. He takes full responsibility for our sanctification. Both salvation and sanctification happen by grace and through faith. But sanctification, that is growing up to be like Jesus, and the soul care that it requires, well, it requires our participation with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can make it either easy or difficult for the Holy Spirit to do His work in and through us. Uh, which brings me to a question this morning. A question that will govern everything we're going to talk about this morning. Do you care enough about your soul to practice soul care? Let me ask that again. Do you care enough about your soul to practice soul care? Now, some people care uh, enough about their body to, to exercise and to eat right, and, and that's, that's important. That's a good thing to do. Some people care enough about their minds to get a good education and to be a lifelong learner, to always be challenged intellectually and be a learner. And that's a good and important thing too. Maybe you care enough about your heart, as we talked about last week, to guard your eyes and to guard your ears and to guard your thoughts. But do you care enough about your soul to practice soul care? Now, just by way of reminder, we define the soul as that invisible and immaterial part of us that lives forever. With the help of Dallas Willard, we also learn that the soul is that which integrates and correlates all the other component parts of our humanity, mind, body, and heart. Uh, the soul is like the quarterback of the team calling the shots. The soul is like a, an operating system on your computer, integrating and correlating all the other programs and applications. Again, with that in mind, I ask you, do you care enough or are you aware enough of your soul and the care that it requires in order to practice soul care. Now years ago, we drafted a soul care policy here at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church that um, all of us on paid vocational staff abide by and that we also uh, point toward anybody who volunteers or serves in a ministry here at the church, a soul care policy. It reads like this, because serving without soul care leads to burnout and spiritual failure, we require all who serve or volunteer at Atlantic Shores to attend weekly worship gatherings and be connected in a life group. We also encourage the practice of spiritual disciplines that include but are not limited to daily Bible reading, prayer, fasting, worship, journaling, silence, solitude, 
and Sabbath. What do you think about that? A soul care policy. We take soul care seriously here at this church because ministry is soul care, starting with the saving of our souls, but also with the sanctifying of ourselves through participating with the Holy Spirit in soul care. We care more about your soul than we do your service or what you know, spiritual gift you might have that you can use to serve the body of Christ. We care so much about your soul that if, for example, you're serving in a ministry here at Atlantic Shores, and we might observe sort of uh, casually that we haven't seen you in a worship service in a while, we will lovingly have a conversation with you. And we've been known to actually uh, maybe suggest to somebody that they step aside in serving in a ministry to give attention to the practice of soul care. Because if we don't, if we don't, remember, we got to live life from the inside out, living and loving from the inside out. We do ministry from the inside out. And ministry done week in and week out without attention to the care of our souls potentially leads to burnout. And in the worst cases, just spiritual failure. We don't want that to happen to you. We don't care about your service and you know, what you can do to serve the body enough to where we're willing to sacrifice your soul care. So we, we drafted this soul care policy years ago. We've implemented it. You know, there are some churches, we talk about this as a staff, there are some churches you can serve on a church staff and you're so busy on Sunday morning, you never get to a worship service. And we said, we can't let that happen here at Atlantic Church. So every one of our staff members, they know, and we make room for this, uh, that they're in one of our three Sunday morning worship gatherings just to care for their own soul. So do you care enough about your soul to practice soul care? Inside out living must include soul care. And I've identified eight things that that means. They're in your notes um, and I filled in most of the blanks. You can write quickly on a few of them, but listen to this. Soul care must be centered on Jesus, rooted in scripture, grounded in biblical theology, dependent on the Holy Spirit, focused on sanctification. It must be comprehensive in our understanding of the total human being, mind, body, heart, and soul, practiced daily and experienced in the community of God's church. That's a pretty comprehensive understanding of what soul care requires and what characterizes it. But I ask you the question again, do you care enough about your own soul to practice soul care? And to move this message even further, did Jesus practice soul care? And if so, how did he care for his soul? Now, the short answer to that question is, yes, Jesus practiced soul care, and we're going to explore three or four ways that he did that and apply those ways very practically to our lives. But uh, to ask the question, did Jesus practice soul care, actually raises a, another question before that, and that is, did Jesus have a soul? <laughs> we were talking about the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Did he have a soul? Up next, the second half of today's Something Good Radio message with Dr. Ron Jones. 
Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Inside Out, Living and Loving from a Healthy Soul. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to watch or listen to the entire series or to download Ron's sermon notes from today's message. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, we have a great resource to share with you today, a book from Dr. Ron Jones called The Jesus Way to Pray, and he joins me now to talk about it. Ron, so excited about the release of your book, The Jesus Way to Pray, An Intimate Journey Through the Lord's Prayer. What inspired you to write this book? Thanks for the question, Brian. You know, I think all of us, no matter how long we've been following Jesus, can use some help with our prayer life. I know I can. And I'm supposed to be a professional at this, right? I can totally understand why the disciples approach Jesus and uh, ask him to teach them how to pray. Fortunately, the model prayer Jesus gave his disciples is recorded for us in the pages of Scripture and preserved for nearly 2,000 years. It's known worldwide as the Lord's Prayer. I call it the Jesus way to pray. Ron, you say in the introduction to the book that nobody is in a better position to teach us how to pray than Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, Brian, to say, Lord, teach us to pray, as Jesus' disciples did, is kind of like asking Michael Jordan or LeBron James to teach us how to play the game of basketball, or Leonardo da Vinci to teach us how to paint a masterpiece like The Last Supper or The Mona Lisa, or Michelangelo to teach us how to sculpt a marble stone into David or the Pieta. Uh, Truly, nobody is in a better position to teach us how to pray than Jesus. Thanks so much for sharing this important resource with us, Pastor. Again, that book is called The Jesus Way to Pray, An Intimate Journey Through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend by requesting a two-pack for $50, a four-pack for $75, or an eight-pack for $150 or more. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Jesus not only possessed a soul, he cared for his soul, and he did so in four important ways. With the rest of today's Something Good radio message, how Jesus cared for his soul, Here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. Did he have a soul? Well, the short answer is yes, and we can answer it yes in a couple of ways. Uh, First of all, in Christian theology, the doctrine of the incarnation says, yes, he had a soul. We're, We're right on the precipice of Christmas, and we talk about the incarnation, the idea that God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, entered into a body in Bethlehem, And the the doctrine of the Incarnation says that Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. Not 50-50, but he was completely uh, God and and fully human at the same time. And if you just isolate his humanity, yes, he had a soul. He had a mind, a body, a heart, and a soul. And and furthermore, uh, the Bible tells us in um, John chapter 12, that Jesus actually referred to his own soul in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come 
uh, to this hour. So, yes, Jesus possessed a soul. But the question is, did he care for his soul? And if he did, how did he care for his soul and what can we learn from his uh, daily uh, practices? So here are four things I want to suggest this morning. First of all, Jesus cared for his soul by practicing Sabbath rest. Uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 gives us a glimpse into um, the early life of Jesus, just as he was getting ready to uh, begin his ministry. It says, And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. That's one of those verses, it's kind of easy to gloss over it and to get on to, you know, stories in the gospel there uh, that are more action-oriented. But don't miss the fact that it was Jesus' habit. It was his custom to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And we might say to practice Sabbath rest. Jesus was a Jew who grew up in a Jewish home that practiced Judaism. Now, the Pharisees loved to spread disinformation about Jesus, and one of the things that they would say about him was that he came to abolish the law and the prophets. And Jesus said, no, I haven't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. And um, that would have included the entire moral law of God, and, uh, which is codified in the Ten Commandments, of which one of the Ten Commandments is the Fourth Commandment, which reads, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. <laughs> okay, so that's a long way around the block to say, Jesus kept the Sabbath. He practiced Sabbath rest. Now, before I get to the practical implications of Sabbath rest for you and me, let's talk about the Sabbath just in general for a moment. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath was a sign of Israel's covenant relationship with God. When God entered into a covenant relationship with Israel, he says, listen, I have a special relationship with you. You have a special relationship with me. I have some expectations of you, and this is how I want you to live. Boom, Ten Commandments. Boom, Fourth Commandment. You'll keep the Sabbath day and, and keep it holy. None of the other nations did that, but uh, God's people did. And there were all kinds of implications to the Sabbath, including agricultural and, and otherwise, but uh, it all hearkened to uh, the creation story where God worked for six days and rested uh, on the seventh day. In the New Testament, though, the Sabbath is a shadow of things to come. For New Testament believers, the Sabbath is not so much a rule to obey as it is a way to understand our salvation. It pictures something in salvation. It also simplifies our lives, and, and by it we practice healthy inside-out rhythms, okay? soul care kinds of rhythms. Of course, New Testament believers worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week. Uh, Saturday was the Sabbath, but we do that because Jesus rose from the dead on, on Sunday. Now, via the Sabbath command, as I mentioned earlier, Old Testament believers remembered the creation story. If you go to Exodus chapter 20, the fourth commandment is one that has some additional commentary to it that takes us back to the creation story. Um, that same commandment points New Testament believers to our redemption. There's a salvation picture here. Uh, redemption that comes to us by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. I get this, who invites us to rest from our works 
as a means of achieving a right relationship with God. And in that sense, Jesus declared, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. By the way, every one of the Ten Commandments, actually nine of them are reiterated in the New Testament. But Jesus does a little something different with the Sabbath because he is the Sabbath rest. And there's a salvation picture in that. And I think Jesus had all of that kind of theology in mind when he said this in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest for your souls. How many of you today need rest for your weary soul? Maybe you can't sing, it is well with my soul, because your soul has not been at rest for a long time. Jesus extends an invitation to us. He says, come to me, learn from me, and find rest for your souls. He has a Sabbath rest in mind. Yes, it encompasses all that we know of salvation in Jesus Christ, where we rest from our, our works in order to have a right relationship with God. No, he's, he, he's accomplished all that we need to have a relationship with Him. And He says, come to me, learn from me, find rest for your souls. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 in the message. Listen to this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Oh, doesn't that just sound wonderful? The unforced rhythms of grace. During my sabbatical, I kind of camped out on that phrase from Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew 11. And my prayer was, God, I want to get back to those unforced rhythms of grace. How does that happen? Well, Peterson says in his paraphrase, that happens by, by keeping company with Jesus. Are you keeping company with him? Are you learning from him? This one who declared for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Are you keeping company with him just by keeping the Sabbath as a day of rest? You know, that's becoming harder and harder in our culture, isn't it? You go back a generation ago, there wasn't much happening on, on, on Sunday. The world kind of came to a stop on Sunday. That's gone. But there is a practical rhythm of life for which we are created here that says, work hard for six days and then unplug and rest. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We would do well to take advantage of this important gift if Jesus needed it, how much more do we? Now here's Ron with a preview of tomorrow's message.
time. There's no sense that Jesus was ever too busy to carve out some quiet time to spend with his heavenly Father and to pray. Nor did he move too slowly where he was lagging behind the Father's plan. You get the sense that he was, he was right in step with the Father's plan. And um, he practiced those unforced rhythms of grace, which always left enough time and energy to fulfill the Father's will, while also pursuing times of uh, solitary uh, moments with his Father and pursuing intimacy with him in prayer. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, How Jesus Cared for His Soul. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.